We saw the Trans-Siberian Orchestra live in concert. Yesterday. Welcome to Spin It. Everybody and welcome back to Spin It, the record ranking podcast for people who would rather be listening to music. I'm James, and with me, yeah, literally with me this time is Connor. Hi, I see you over there. It's crazy. Hi, yeah, I know I can see you in real life and not just on a computer. First time recording live as part of Spinter Wonderland. That's right. Welcome officially to Spinter Wonderland. This is the first of three holiday-themed episodes we'll be doing. The next two are coming later. It's so weird being able to look into your eyes as you speak. I don't like it. Look away. Don't look at me. Well, we figured, what better way to kick off the holiday season in Spinter Wonderland than by going to see a holiday concert? So that's what we've done. We went and saw the Trans-Siberian Orchestra live in Nashville, Tennessee, and it was quite a show. And that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk all about the experience. I mean, all of the experience, not just the concert. I mean, I know we're a music podcast, but there was some other stuff that happened all night. It was a wild night. So yeah, this will be a little deviation from our normal episode because we don't have an actual album necessarily to talk about, but we'll talk about a little bit about some of the songs we heard at the concert and about the concert experience and hopefully you enjoy it. We did. That is correct. Now, this was your idea. It was my idea. You've been and seen the Trans-Siberian Orchestra before. I was a first-timer. I went and saw them back, I think. It was right after we got out of high school, I think. So a couple years back. Several years back now. That's scary. But yeah, so yeah, I've seen them before. Uh, They're a staple of the Christmas, you know, holiday time for me. I really enjoy listening to their music. And so when I saw that they were going to be in Nashville, I said, I've been looking for an excuse to come to Nashville. Let's do it. Let's do it and do it. We did. So you already know a little bit about the TSO, obviously, but the audience might not. So we're still going to go through the normal spiel. You know, the whole point is to fill them in. Yeah, they don't need to know. Well, yeah. I mean, if you don't want to learn about the Trans-Siberian Orchestra, then I guess just stop listening right now. No, no, don't stop listening. Skip ahead. (laughs) Yeah, skip ahead to when we're not talking about TSO. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) Anyway, uh, the Trans-Siberian Orchestra was formed in 1996 by producer, composer, and lyricist Paul O'Neill, alongside John Olivia and Al Petrelli, who were both members of the band Sabotage, which is not a Christmas band, by the way. They play more traditional metal hard rock music. For those of you who don't know, all of the artists really in the non-holiday season go back to their own bands and solo projects and stuff the rest of the year and then reform together for TSO come the holiday season. Yeah, that's right, because Trans-Siberian Orchestra, they're exclusively a Christmas band. Mostly exclusively. Well, yeah. They've played some other songs, but they only do their touring and stuff around the holiday season. But it's annual, and it's been ongoing for a long, long time. The band is named after the Trans-Siberian Railway because, as they say, in the incredibly harsh and unforgiving Siberia, the Trans-Siberian Railway offers relative safety. Life, too, can be incredibly beautiful, but also incredibly harsh and unforgiving, and the one thing that we all have in common is the relative safety of music. Now, okay, reading that quote, you know, it reminds me of that meme that's gotten popular lately of those two guys on the train, and one guy's looking at the rocks and the other guy's looking at the sunset. No, I don't think I've seen that. I'm usually the internet guy that's seen all the memes before you, and I haven't seen it. Wow, hang on. Yeah, we're in person. You need to show it to me. Yeah, I know. I don't have to send it to you or anything. Maybe they're on a bus, not on a train. Oh, I, I have seen that. I guess they're on a bus. They're on a bus, not a train, so this entire comment has been irrelevant. 
off topic. You're off topic. Accidentally, but... It's just what it made me think of. But yeah, the band is, like we said, they tour every year, and that's what they've kind of become known for. They have very electric, engaging live shows. They put on a lot of special effects, and I mean, first and foremost, they're good musicians. But they're known for being a live band and for their rock operas, which usually take up a large chunk of their shows. Uh, we talked about back when we did our episode on Pink Floyd about all their crazy, you know, light shows and stage effects and everything. And uh, TSO is actually then described as Pink Floyd meets Yes and The Who by Radio City Music Hall. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, honestly... I can kind of hear a lot of those influences, and I haven't seen Pink Floyd, Yes, or The Who live in concert, but I've seen footage. I can only imagine that this is pretty comparable as far as an experience goes. They've been touring since the release of their second album in 1999, just three years after they all got together. We talked about how Rascal Flatts has sold a lot of concert tickets. TSO is right there with them. They've sold over 10 million concert tickets and over 10 million albums as well. So like an album per concert ticket. And they're still touring, still going. They got Rascal Flatts beat in that regard, so maybe they'll pass them. Some of their popular albums include Christmas Eve and Other Stories, The Christmas Attic, Beethoven's Last Night, The Lost Christmas Eve, Night Castle, Letters from the Labyrinth, some really Christmassy titles in there. And the Beethoven's one is all inspired by Beethoven's music because uh, members of the band have said Beethoven was kind of like the first rock and roll music artist. <laughs> I mean, in a certain way, yeah. And so that's why I said most when, when you said that they're known for Chris, all, they only do Christmas stuff. I said mostly because I don't know if you consider Beethoven Christmas or not. I don't know. That's funny because, like, TSO has kind of made some of his music Christmassy. Yeah. Because of how Christmassy they are, it's rubbed off onto him. Christmas by association. <laughs> yeah, exactly. This year, 2021, marks the 25th anniversary of their first debut rock opera, which was Christmas Eve and Other Stories. And so to celebrate, they're actually touring with that album right now. They've dug it up, dusted it off, and put it back on stage. So that's what we got to see the other night. Yeah, it was good. Now, it's unfortunate, but the mixtaper had to go to work. Yeah. So he could come down and see the show. So we are going to, I guess, call him in for Factor Spin. <laughs> that was unnecessary. It's the phone ringing. What are you talking about? <laughs> right. Hey, it's me, the mixtaper. Hello. How's the vacation going? No, it's going great. How's your not vacation? Oh, it's good. I'm picking up extra shifts at Starbucks, you know? It's cold out now, so everybody's got to get their coffee to warm them up. Anyway, yeah, you know, I, I'm taking all this free creative time I have, you know, without Connor being here. I'm getting real creative. I'm working on my next big Starbucks drink. You know, I, I had the pumpkin spice latte. Uh, I'm working on a new one. Yeah, what kind of bit is this? What are you doing? Well, I didn't think this far. <laughs> no, you don't know what you're making yet. I don't got a catchy name for it yet. I'm just, you know, I got like a science lab going on in the kitchen. Yeah. Just a brewery, if you will. You're brewing coffee in your kitchen. Yeah. Like most people. Uh, yeah, except it's all in beakers and test tubes. Right. I, I, I feel like I should call it something like, uh... So we have the pumpkin spice latte, maybe the the uh, pumpkin spin latte. Uh, You're just making the same thing. Yeah, but it's got a cool new title, so they'll pay. You know, they'll pay for it. All those social media influencers who gotta go out and try the new Starbucks drink, they'll pay for anything. <laughs> Whatever, fair enough. Anyway, so you have some facts about the Trans Siberian Orchestra ready for me? I do. Okay, I don't know much about them, but we did already see the show, so maybe I'll have some insight. I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. Honestly, we'll just have to see because the wait is over. The time is now. My first fact. The band donates $1 from every ticket sold to charity. That's nice. What charities do they donate to? 
So they partner with a local charity in each of the cities they tour in. And so if they've sold over 10 million tickets, they've donated over $10 million to charity. What's the total? Do you know? No idea. Just a lot. Yeah. They always pick a local group and donate you know, to their cause. Sometimes I did see a statistic that said that uh, some some shows in some of the bigger cities get the charity like, you know, over $40,000 because of how many people show up. Yeah, I can believe it. I think a lot of people make these concerts like an annual tradition. I know people that did that for years. They would go to TSO shows every year. I think this sounds like a fact. I'm going to lock in fact. It'd be pretty mean to lie about charity, wouldn't it? It would, and it would be pretty pointless also because they did mention they did this at the start of the concert. Oh, no. This is why I need to come to the concert. <laughs> I know. I thought I'd let you have your fun for a minute. Oh, no. So do you know then how much they donated into which charity? Uh, Connor's telling me he thinks it was something like $10,000. Oh, would he send you a text? Yeah. So, yeah, he says uh, you guys got there right as they were making that announcement but it sounded like it was somewhere around ten thousand dollars and he does it he didn't catch the name of the charity but they did it and it was cool and yes this is a true fact you got it uh, i did it uh, i'm coming off of two bad weeks yeah you said you were coming back the mixtapierest mixtaper you've ever been yeah but i didn't take into account spinter wonderland so you know we're, we're putting the mixtaperiness on hold until after spinter wonderland so you know as soon as we're through spinter wonderland mixtaperier than ever <laughs> right noted uh, my next fact, the band uses local orchestra groups to fill out their live sound. Interesting. How big generally are these local orchestra groups? You know, I wasn't there to see it, but I did go with Connor back when he was, when he went, you know, we've known each other, we were, we were, we've known each other a long time. So, you know, I was at the last TSO concert and that one had like 12 or 13 members. And again, he's telling me this one, there was like six or seven of them. It looked like on the stage, assuming that they were there. Yeah, six or seven. There were six or seven Nashville orchestra folks there at the show. So Man, we really should have done this before you saw them, shouldn't we? <laughs> well, the thing is, too, I mean, you're saying all this. You're saying Connor's texting you, but Connor's rooting for me. Oh, no, did Connor spoil some of them? It is indeed true. They've got, like, a whole group of instrumentalists, you know, that tr- that go actually tour with the group. But then to fill out just the orchestral background music sound, they partner with local orchestras in each of the cities. That's awesome. How much time do they get to practice with these orchestras? Because, like, I'm guessing it's probably hard to focus. I, I know they're professionals, but with all the lights and the smoke and the set changes happening around, it's got to be. I mean, you got to have some kind of sound check or practice, you know. To probably at least six months, right, to start practicing the music. And then probably a couple sound checks before... When they get to the city, like, the rehearsals with them to synchronize up and get used to rehearsing in the space. Yeah, that's true. I bet it's honestly probably pretty standard the way that they play their music. And then, you know, they probably go to the similar cities each year and use the same groups. In which case, they don't have to necessarily learn every song every year, you know, because they repeat a lot of them. They're popular ones. That's a cool fact. I like that one. It is a cool fact. I hope the audience enjoyed it because... Because. <laughs> because you want them to enjoy it. Well, you know, I'm... Uh... There's some cool facts I wanted to include that apparently, you know, you having been to the concert make it pretty obvious. Well, here's one that has nothing to do with what you saw yesterday. The band works with the Columbus Zoo and Aquarium every wildlife season. Being from Ohio, you know, I wanted to represent Ohio in Factor Spin this week. So Columbus, yeah, their zoo also has a hefty light show every year. And a lot of that is synchronized with music. I have to believe that a lot of it can be or is synchronized to TSO music already. What kind of help do they give? Do they have people come with light design and help them out? You know, because they're pretty good with light design themselves. They just, uh, they partner with the Columbus Zoo and their music is used 
around the conservation lake light display in the middle at the middle of the entryway. Uh, that's where their music is synchronized up to the lights. And then every year, and this year it's the December 30th show at the Nationwide Arena, the ticket sale donations, we talked about two facts ago, go to the Columbus Zoo Wildlife Conservation Charity. Everything about this fact makes sense, but that's exactly why you'd use it. And it feels a little too coincidental, maybe? I'm going to say spin. Going spin? Barely. Just barely a spin. This one is true. Wow, true. Wow. That one felt like a spin, although I'm glad that it's true. It is true, and I'm glad it got you. I was really worried. I couldn't have three weeks in a row. Be fired. <laughs> three weeks in a row. Yeah, wait, that's right. That's the first one that you've won in... Two weeks. Wow, we've had a dozen facts in a row that you've lost. All right, we don't need to talk about it. I'm just pointing out the statistics here. Anyway. I got one more for you. Standard four facts. Standard four. The band is so popular during the holiday season that there are... Two of them. Two of them, you say. Two Trans-Siberian Orchestrae. Yeah. So they both tour during the holiday season? Absolutely. There's an East Coast touring group and a West Coast touring group. Which group did we get? Because the East, I'm guessing? I mean, Nashville is in the central time zone, but the hockey team plays in the West. And I don't know. Nashville sometimes is considered East or West, depending on which metric you use. Well, it's like Midwest. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, we were part. Uh, uh, you guys were part of the East group. Uh, it's pretty much down, you, you know, it starts at, uh, Illinois, like Illinois over is kind of the dividing line of East and West. That makes sense. There are a lot more condensed big cities in the Northeast. Do you think the West group is better? Should we go check them out and compare? Uh, you know, that, uh, I, that would be a fun thing to have done was go to both. And Honestly, I bet they're so identical that you could hardly even tell a difference. Uh, yeah, this fact sounds true to me. Really? I, w- I really thought you might have been a little more incredulous of the idea of there being two TSOs. Are they ever all together? Do they ever, like, get together and perform as one Trans-Siberian Orchestra? Not that I'm aware of. Fair enough. Uh, yeah, I believe this, though. I, I guess logistically, in order to make it all around the country just in the holiday season and tour, can't really do that in one group. No, you'd have to split it up. So I'm locking in fact. It is indeed a fact. There's two groups, and each group, each performance, each city usually gets two performances a night. Uh, typically, when they go to a city, they do an afternoon matinee and then an evening performance and then move on to another location. Yeah, they mentioned at our show that they were only doing a single performance for that day. So they said it was almost like a day off. Yeah, and so two groups, two concerts a night. That's basically four concerts a night could be going on for for TSO. That's a lot of touring and a lot of shows. It's impressive. Explains how they're getting all those ticket sales. (laughs) All right, well, at least I broke the slump. and uh, It's Spinner Wonderland. You know, it's the holiday season. I'm being a forgiving mixtaper. Right, yeah. Three all truths. (laughs) Yeah, all facts. That's kind of rare. I don't know if we've had too many all fact ones. It, again, it's it's the holiday season, and those were all some pretty cool facts that are kind of unique about this band. Uh, not many bands do any of that. Well, I'm gonna hang up now. I uh, oh, I have oh. limited minutes. Okay, I guess I'll just go back to brewing. That's right. You have fun with that. Tell Connor to bring me back some hot chicken. Yeah, yeah, we did that. I'll let him know. Well, I don't have to let him know. He's on speakerphone. Yeah, you know what, Connor, say hi to the mixtaper. You two never talk. Yeah, I mean, we talk all the time at home. I mean, we live together. We're roommates. But hi, Mixtaper. I hope you haven't destroyed the house. Uh, n- no, not at all. Uh, it's perfect. Uh, just, you know, when you get home, don't look in the kitchen. What do you mean, don't look in the kitchen? Uh, don't worry about it. I gotta go. Bye.
Yeah. Nope, he hung up on us. I'm I'm a little concerned by that. I'm afraid to know what my kitchen's gonna look like when I get home. Uh, time will tell. Time will tell. And the only way to find out is to wait and see. You know what? We don't have to wait and see. The Trans Siberian Orchestra. Correct, because we did that last night. So now we get to tell you about our concert experience. Now, like we mentioned earlier. Right at the beginning, they were touring their album, Christmas Eve, and other stories. So that was a big part of the first half of their show. Yeah. So pretty much the way that they work is they do what we described earlier as rock operas. And so it's, you know, it's a cohesive story being told through music. And that's the first half of their show. And then the second half of their show is just all their other popular songs that weren't part of the narrative that they want to play for the audience. Yeah, which honestly probably explains why they're so often compared to pink floyd and the who because the wall and tommy are both pretty infamous rock operas and they both have great live shows to go along with them and i feel like we need to address the elephant in the room hello elephant all right (laughs) all right (laughs) i'm in the room with you i can see there's no elephant (laughs) i just thought i couldn't and i didn't want to be rude so uh so you you really got a little perturbed with me during the Miley Cyrus episode when I turned it into a concept record and it wasn't and you were like you railed on concept record this is like a concept show right yeah so all the songs are working together to tell us a specific narrative and so when I compliment and talk about how much I love it I I just don't want you to explode no 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 it's meant to be that way it's meant to be a concept show and it works so okay before we jump into it should we just talk about the experience leading up to the concert like some interesting things happened before the show even started yeah sure i mean before the show even started we had to i was stuck in traffic so bad before the show even started it took me like an hour to go seven miles (laughs) but finally we made it finally got to connor and i picked him up he hopped in took right off to get to the concert pretty much we really did yeah stopped for a little dinner we did have enough time for dinner barely again we walked in as they were already announcing things we sat down and they started the show they did the whole spiel you know they did the whole talk at the beginning about donating to charity, welcome to the show, it's our 25th anniversary, the whole nine yards. It was great. And then the lights went down and the show started. It was quite a time. Uh, it was in the, you were just there the other night for a hockey game, right? I was, yeah. And they actually still had the arena mostly set up for hockey. They just, you know, had the ice covered, all the boards were still there, the nets were still down. I pointed out to Connor where they hide the giant saber-toothed tiger head in the ceiling. It is just hovering there in the ceiling covered in curtains. Yeah, they just cover it with curtains like they don't want you to see it. But when you know it's there, it sticks out like a sore thumb. But the lights went down. The show was about to start and they came out and uh, they did their first song. So, yeah, they did their first song, which is actually, you, you again, you mentioned in the uh, about the artist section about Sabotage. Yeah, Sabotage. Yeah, that uh, that that opening song, Welcome to the Show, that they do, literally titled Welcome to the Show, is a Sabotage cover. They've taken that from Sabotage. It's a fitting Welcome to the Show because they just say Welcome to the Show over and over. They were on platforms that lifted them up in the air and stuff. It was a pretty good level of showmanship. Kind of set the stage. I'll tell you what, though, I was a little worried that they started so big. I mean, I know you have to start big to catch everyone's attention, but I didn't want them to just show their entire hand right off the bat, you know? And boy, was I wrong about that, because they used those platforms once in the opening song, and they did not touch them again. They had enough other gags and mechanics, you know, that they were able to keep 
every just every once in a while they throw out something new. It was like I, I remember thinking like two thirds of the way into the concert they did something different. We'll get to it, and I'm just like, where's that been the whole concert? Right. I really just expected them to use those platforms again, though. Yeah, it would have been nice at least even at the end just to use them again. Yeah. They did use it in other ways. They like turned sideways and would move up and down with lights on them and stuff. Sure. So they made use of them. They were set pieces more than they were platforms for people standing on them. But still, it was all right. But then we get into the actual opera itself. That's right. Yeah, there was a man who came out, and he comes to the microphone and stands there, starts narrating. He's got the story. Kind of, it reads like a, you know, a Dr. Seuss rhyme. Some slam poetry is what I called it. <laughs> He's just like, yeah, he does some poetry while the keyboardist kind of plunks out uh, a melody that we'll talk about later. Yeah, well, that's... The moment they cracked me up right off the bat was there. Uh, uh, the guy says something like, "Tonight it's Christmas Eve." You know, you have to suspend your disbelief because that's the narrative is that it's Christmas Eve in the story. And there was this one woman down in the lower bowl that just went woo, <laughs> like she was so excited for Christmas Eve, and the rest of the place was silent. She really susp- suspended her disbelief. She was all about it. She was so excited for Christmas Eve. It was fun. I love that. But it's a fun story that he starts telling. I don't know how much you paid attention to the actual story. Oh, yeah, I did. Uh, and so it starts off with a guy just sitting at the bar, drinking alone on Christmas Eve. Well, yeah, it did take me a minute to click into the story. I didn't realize that was what was happening at first. So he's sitting at the bar drinking. Some random stranger walks in and sits down and offers him a drink from his jacket, from a bottle he has in his jacket. Suspicious. Which is very suspicious, but the guy takes it and drinks it anyways, and it says it makes him feel all warm and fuzzy inside. And I'm like, that's not great. Ill-advised, Spinnet does not condone jacket drinks. But anyway, he's in like, now that you've drank my mysterious beverage, let me tell you a story about an angel. And he launches into this story about this angel who's gone come down to Earth to look for... Basically the Christmas spirit that God has bestowed upon Earth and is looking for it to still be alive and well. And it takes him a while to find it. And so that's kind of the narrative throughout. And we'll bring it up as we get to more and more pieces of it. Yeah, that's right. He's trying to find the Christmas spirit and it's really sparse. The narrative throughout is that humans suck. (laughs) Yeah, well. No, that's not the moral of the story. And so then, fittingly, the first song is An Angel Came Down, right? There, do you have any notes about uh, that song? I didn't take any notes. I mean, I was watching the show. But I did like that song. You know, it was a melody that they reprised a lot of times. Being about the angel, it was kind of the glue that held the story together. It was like the, the motif that they kept coming back to. Uh, there was a moment after, I think it was after an angel came down, where the spotlights were all big and facing out towards the upper bowl. And then they brought them down across the arena and they centered in on the middle of the lower bowl, right on the security guard that was walking across the aisle. And I was like, who's that? <laughs> Oh, it's just a guy. It's just walking around. I don't know if you noticed it, but... That's what there was a couple times that the spotlight got off its mark somehow. Like, there's one part where, like, two guitarists were dead center front of the stage, supposed to be there, like, doing a solo, mm-hmm. and the spotlight is only on, like, their shoes. <laughs> it's just, like, a little off. Well, I noticed why that was, actually, is because the hockey stuff was up. Like I said, and the spotlights were getting caught on the nets that they would normally lower for pucks so they don't hit people. A lot of my notes are about things like that. <laughs> uh, a lot of my notes are about song. I took notes as the concert was going because, again, I'd been there before, so I didn't have to be as focused on the light show. True. It's not often that I get to go to a concert and get to watch it critically, you know? Like, it's usually just an experience that's for fun, not to take something out of it. And so, Oh Come All You Faithful and Oh Holy Night is kind of happening as the angel is supposedly flying across the 
the you know the world in search of something that he can point to as the Christmas spirit being alive, which is kind of fitting of you know oh come all you faithful like come out show me or show me that the gift is still alive. Yeah, it, it kind of fits. Yeah, but he starts his search in the Middle East. Yes, that's true. I'll tell you, I watched the bass player during this song. During the guitar solo, my eyes went over to him, and he just looked bored out of his mind. He was not very engaged, not doing much. I was like, wow, that's a shame. But he got his chance to shine, really got his chance to shine a couple songs later. He was the focal point, I think, during A Mad Russian's Christmas. Okay, and then at at some point right around here, there was a guy behind us that I guess got bored. and He wanted to go for a walk, so he started to get up and leave. And his wife wanted to get his attention or something, so she kept going, Robert... Robert! Robert! And then, like, 18 people in our section were trying to get his attention as he was walking away. There's just this chorus of Roberts getting progressively louder and more we frustrated. That chant started throughout the whole stadium. It was... Robert! Robert! It was really something. Yeah, one of the things that I noticed throughout the show, it was very quiet for an arena show. Uh, it, they, they did a great job of, like, going from one extreme to the other. They never, I don't know if you noticed that, but their pacing for their concert was spot on. Yeah, well, I'm just talking about from like a loudness standpoint. You know, they played loud and well and fast. It was great. That was fine. But just, it was like they turned the speakers from a 12 down to about a 6, you know? And that was actually pretty refreshing. You know, I, I know they know their audience, and their audience is you know, full of parents with young children or older people who are just there to have a good time. They don't want to sit in an arena and listen to just loud music all night, but I really liked it. The other thing that surprised me, speaking of their audience and the demographic, was that this was the weirdest arena concert I've ever been to. Really? Yeah, the difference between what was happening on the stage and what was happening in the crowd was absurd. At times, the audience would cheer and... Sometimes, but it was like pulling teeth. He went up there and he waved his arms back and forth and it took everyone like a couple good seconds to even figure out what they were supposed to do. Yeah. People weren't clapping along. Like, it was dead in the lower bowl and the upper bowl. And again, it's just part of the demographic, I think. But it was just bizarre to see this metal... (laughs) rock concert happening and then all these old people sitting in their seats just you wanted an old person mosh pit kind of yeah but i mean what this concert proved to me is that you know older people definitely can like metal music uh it's just you know sex drugs and rock and roll they just don't like the sex and the drugs part give them rock and roll give them heavy metal they can handle it they'll pay for tickets to go see it but but it's got to be christmas themed and then they'll go (laughs) but that's what i mean it was like such a weird concert for me like the, the the band was great it was just bizarre to look out at the audience and like have that mixture of experience in there. Yeah. The angel, everywhere he goes, he starts making it snow, I guess. And so they do a song called First Snow. It did feel a little shoehorned in, I it gotta was. be honest. Uh, but then, and you thought that was shoehorned in, then he's like, where shall I go next? Let's go to Russia. <laughs> yeah, a little, Yeah, a little direct way to put in their song. Mad Russian's Christmas. Yeah, which is one of, I think, my favorite Trans-Siberian Orchestra songs. Mad Russian Christmas is so good. It was a good one. Uh, One of the things I really liked about that one was that was really the first heavy use of what I called balloon choreography. Kind of it was. They have these, like, uh, light globes that come down from the ceiling that are hung on, like, uh, strings and stuff, and they make them move around and flash different colors and stuff like that. And this was the first one that they... They brought them down and made them twinkle and stuff. But this was the first time they really started making them really move and dance and do colors. That's true. And one of the only times that they did much movement during the songs, if I remember... They, they would do it 
on songs that didn't have vocals. And so again, we were talking about pacing. They did it. They do this thing where they, a lot of their vocal songs are slower ballads. And then when they don't have any vocals, they do the fast paced rock and roll instrumental song. And so they do like one or two of those and they'd slow it down for a couple songs and put some words in. And so on the ones when there was words to listen to, I guess the idea is you don't need to be engaged as much with lights and things because you're listening to someone sing. But when you take the vocals away to replace it, they replace it with all the flashy light shows. And then we go, right from uh, from mad russian's christmas into christmas eve their really most popular song and again kind of the song the title song of the album christmas eve and other stories yeah that's another sabotage cover isn't it it is christmas okay. eve uh-huh again because the founding members that's the group that they worked with and stuff and so they kind of just took some of their lesser performing songs from sabotage and that worked for their christmas rock opera they were trying to write and used them and kind of took over them stuck them in there yeah yeah was this one of the ones that had that box there was a box behind the sound booth i think yes this is the first use of that yeah and so i thought that box was pretty lame kind of criminally underused the first time the first time it was criminally underused it got used way better later on and we'll talk about it so they the first time it raised all the way up out of the ground and there was smoke going on around it yeah and then it just kind of pulsed up and down and spun and that was it it was it it was like well that was a waste of your effects budget <laughs> got used way better later on yeah later on they used it to shoot fire and that was way cooler uh objectively but the first time around that box was lame and i guess they only put that in there so that they didn't just use it the one time later their set design was on point i think for the most part everything had a purpose and multiple purposes you know talked about the raising platforms also doubled as light effects they had these light panels around the stage from where the stage raised up for where the drummer was and stuff it had screens that they could put things on, but then also the tops and bottoms of the screens were their own separate lights that then they could also make turn on and off. So like everything had multiple purposes. And so I really liked their set design. Yeah, it was pretty good. Uh, so I guess I'll just quickly wrap up the story. Pretty much after the angel visits Russia and finds out Russians want peace on earth for Christmas, uh, supposedly. Uh, the the angel continues until they find a old city bar, which is when I mentioned earlier that there was a theme that the keyboardist was just kind of plunking out when we first started the narrative of the guy walking into the bar. It was old city bar that he was plunking out. That's what they used every time that he came out and spoke. Yeah. And so, you know, they wind up, or I guess, yeah, before they get to the old city bar, I, I should back up. The angel finds a guy who's praying, you know, He's, he's separated uh, from his daughter on Christmas Eve and they can't spend Christmas together. And so they sing a whole song about that, about how sad it is. Uh, and so then the angel flies overseas to this old city bar where they find the daughter praying on a star, but the star is just the neon sign of the old city bar that was a big long metaphor like the green light at the end of gatsby's dock you know a little bit i was like okay but anyway and this is where i have some silly notes they then sing this whole song about the bartender going out and seeing this poor daughter he hears her prayers wishing she could be home with her father on christmas and so what does he do goes in doesn't just get some money from the cash register no the narrator says he empties the cash register so 
No money left in the in the cash register. All the proceeds from that day. He gives it to her, calls her tab, takes her to the has her go to the airport, gives her enough money for a ticket so she can go home and be with her father. But boy, does the generosity not stop there. No, you're right. It keeps going. He then goes, I know I just lost a ton of money from today's proceeds. All of them, in fact. But rather than try to recoup them and just take the loss, I'm also going to, for the rest of the night, let everybody drink for free. <laughs> he then says, he says that something changed. The narrator says something changed about him that night. Because the rest of the night, nobody paid for their drink. And I was like, whoa! I know, the Grinch's heart grew three sizes that day. <laughs> like, that's way too nice. I mean, it sounds too nice, but also, how many people are hanging out in that bar on Christmas Eve? Like, I feel like it's already kind of taken care of. And you're saying nobody else had to pay for the drink because nobody else bought a drink. <laughs> um, it's like it's not unlikely that there was no one else in the bar. That girl was the only one in the bar. He's like, here, here's two bucks. Go see if you can get yourself a plane ticket. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but then, so... The father gets the news. The daughter calls him or something. Gets the news because then the angel goes back and the father is singing a song rejoicing, whatever, right? And so that concludes the story, right? This is where it gets kind of complicated and a little hard to follow if you weren't paying very close attention the, the whole way through, right? Because we're seeing a story about a father and daughter from the perspective of the angel, right? So that's one story. Then we zoom out and we're back to the angel. It's like, hey, this is the miracle I was looking for. The generosity of this bartender. Yeah. This is the miracle I was looking for. I've completed my mission. Miracle's a word for it. Yeah, right? And so then that concludes that story. This angel sings one last song about being happy that the Christmas spirit is still alive. Then we zoom out again. Now we're back to the guy who offered the narrator the strange drink to tell him the story. And he's like, that concludes my story. And then the narrator's like, did that really happen? Or are you just making that up? (laughs) Right, I know. Yeah, I can't even believe it. And that reminds me, there was one girl behind us who couldn't have been like in the double digits of age. But at some point after 9.30, every single song she went, is it over yet? Is it, are we done? Oh boy, we weren't anywhere close. We weren't anywhere close. <laughs> and so then, you know, he's like, yeah, you know, the story might have been true. I'm going to be cryptic about it and not tell you. And then he gets up and leaves and the narrator follows him outside. He's like, oh, but he's gone and there's no tracks in the snow, which implies that that guy is the angel, right? Well, it implies it. It implies it because there's no tracks in the snow, so he flew away, right? Or I propose that he climbed the building. Spider-Man? It was Spider-Man? It was Spider-Man. <laughs> he was in a bar with Peter Parker. Trans-Spiderian Orchestra. The S and TSO is for Spider-Man. <laughs> Give me more rock operas about Spider-Man. <laughs> uh, so yeah, that pretty much wraps up part one of the concert. Yeah, and you could tell that it wraps up part one, because the violin guy who was in a nice suit jacket came back without sleeves. Yep. <laughs> and it really cracked me up. I was like, oh, I see we've had a tone shift. Well, and so then, like, they're kind of, I guess, front man guy. The guy does all the, like, talking. Came out, did the thing about the charity and all that. Yeah, he talked about that. He introduced all the instrumentalists. Yeah. And then they performed another part of the show. And then when you think that they're done again, he's like, all right, now I'm going to introduce you to all the... Well, yeah, you knew they were going to introduce everybody. And so they introduced everybody else, and then they perform another set of songs, and then the concert finally ends. So it's like a three-part show a little bit one of the things that i thought was kind of ironic in the wrong way was they were like they came out after they did that instrumental bit and then they introduced the singers and they talked about what how the how the band was founded kind of what we told you at the beginning of the show and he said look at how far this band has come in the last 25 years and immediately they sang the song called a little too far (laughs) 
like maybe we have gone a little too far. I was like, did they mean to do that? Uh, uh, something that was really cracking me up the entire time, uh, because he kept referring to the group TSO as we, and so he'd be like, we've been touring for 25 years, but before he started all that, he said, he's like, you know, we got found in 1998. He's like, I was five years old then. And so then at every moment after that, every time he used the word we, to be like, we did this in what I was like, you didn't do any of this. <laughs> I know. Well, I, I pictured him as doing it, but also as a kid. Five-year-old out there shredding it. Headbanging with a guitar. Oh, at one point, did you notice, speaking of five-year-olds with little guitars, at one point he came out, or one of the guitarists did, with a little tiny guitar that didn't have a head on it yeah. to play, I guess, higher octaves. And I was just caught off guard. I was not ex- I had to look down and I was like, am I far back in this arena and that's playing tricks on me or is that just a really small guitar the other thing that happened then was when they introduced the narrator brian hicks that confirmed to me because i was thinking the whole time i was afraid that was the narrator for when i went and saw the last rock opera back when i went and saw them the first time yeah i thought it was the same guy doing it again and that confirmed it for me when he said brian hicks that's the only name i had for any of the members was brian hicks <laughs> well he did a great job he really was an awesome narrator Oh, during that song, A Little Too Far, everyone spontaneously, the the crowd decided to do something for once, <laughs> and everybody got out their cell phone flashlights I and know. stuff. It was, uh... I hate that. You hate that? I do. I normally like it. I kind of hated it at this because it was like... This is what you're going to choose to do? It was a little disingenuous, <laughs> but I, I loved... I don't know if you saw, there was a security guard down and across... All my stories are about security guards. <laughs> Maybe the SN Trans Siberian Orchestra is really for security guards. Yeah, I don't know. But somebody down across the way had an actual flashlight oh i think you saw this you're about to talk about the same thing i was going to talk about are you sure it was the security guard and not like the the usher people with the flashlights to help people in and out of the rows oh it might have been an usher because there was several times that like those little flashlights that the ushers have are meant to like to not like make a big you know no thing but boy did they travel at one point he shined it up the aisleway like from the stage towards the exit and as he came up, the light like came up and hit me in the eye and like blinded me. I was like, holy crap. Well, yeah, that's because <laughs> all the haze in there, you know, they pump it full yeah. of smoke so the lasers look cool. And uh, yeah, the flashlights that the ushers, I guess either way it was event staff. And he was just wiggling his flashlight <laughs> around in the air as like a full beam. I was like, that's out of place well i just i i the light when they used to, you know back in the old day they do it with lighters right and so now in the modern 21st century we use our cell phone lights it just isn't as cool it's not as cool but i i still like it i don't know i've just it never been a big fan of that it probably would be way cooler with lighters i'll give you that and then because you got all the different colored camera lights some of them are blue some of them are more white or yellow some of them are brighter than others you seem to be nitpicking i know we got onto a we got onto a, a lighter tangent and then my, my other favorite song, that the last one I want to talk about, is Wizards in Winter. A classic. A classic. Uh, and they got, like, all... That's the only time, really, I, th- I maybe the only time, that all three of the different, like, guitarists and basses and the... Uh, the, mo- the motion you're making right there is, is a violin bow. <laughs> the violinists all gathered together dead center of the stage and we're shredding it together did you see that i noticed that they did it there's a couple times that like two of them or maybe three of them but like everyone with a guitar or violin came up right to the middle of the stage and started shredding it on the solo i gotta say every time that that one guitar player went to the stage he would get down on one knee Uh and point his guitar straight up into the air and every time i thought star power activated (laughs) like he's playing rock band or something he's getting bonus points for that section of the song so that brings me to the the fun little thing i wanted to do pick your favorite performer uh Oh, it's a hard call. It's a hard call. I have my choice. My choice was the older guitar player. The violin was cool. He was good, but 
it's it's gonna be the older guitar player that takes it from me. He he looked like D. Snyder, <laughs> you know, but he had the the long hair and the yeah. head banging. And of course, as you know, a guitar player myself, it's an instrument that I'm more familiar with. And his technical ability was top notch as well. The violinist gets it from me. He was all over that stage. At one point, I wrote my notes on one of the songs. He, I swear, he ran a marathon. He was just running in circles from end to end, up by the drummer, over to the backup orchestra, up to the front. He was just all over the stage i was like jeez man calm down it's no wonder he lost his sleeves <laughs> he ran out of them <laughs> he's gonna get conorable mention from me no no he gets jamesable mention for you right and then my conorable mention goes to the narrator just because he always does a really good job well sure yeah but yeah uh it was overall it was a really fun concert it was a fun concert they're a good band. They're they're a con- they're a band that isn't one that like I, the people that you like you said you talk about people who make it a Christmas tradition. I guess maybe if you had kids who really like it, I could see it. I think because it's probably been at least five years since I went and saw them again back in high school or whatever, or right after high school, whatever that was. I think that's a perfect time frame because it all felt fresh enough to me, but yet also familiar enough. You know, it, I think five years was a good time off. I want to go back, but I want to go back with a better crowd. Yeah, well. Because that is, you know, so much of the live music experience is just a collective watching it, you know? Seeing it, experiencing it together, and being excited all at the same time. And uh, I just felt like it was missing that. It was kind of a weird show in that regard. I didn't have any, like, concrete expectations going in. Sure. Because, you know, I just had heard their songs on the radio, and I knew they did a lot of lights and stuff and they probably put on a good show and i think this met my expectations uh i like it musically it was pretty flawless i don't think anybody really missed a note that i heard but uh yeah the special effects were great and stuff there was just something about it that just again i'm gonna still just chalk it up to the crowd it's like they were doing everything right yes. but due to the audience not engaging it felt wrong yeah like i couldn't understand why the audience wouldn't engage more because <laughs> it was a good show it was a part of it was i swear when i saw it in dayton or columbus or wherever we went and saw it last time there was a standing ticket section like like a mosh pit area whereas all the way up to even the front of the stage was all s- seats you know everybody was sitting so there was no like dancing or standing they had to like coax everyone to their feet yeah just you know trying to get something going it was honestly like if i was on that stage performing maybe not a show i would write home about because like you feed off that energy as a performer it's you know they did a good job of carrying on they started they would feed off of each other they'd run over to one another and start dancing that was the other thing i wanted to bring up the the part where like they started like kicking yeah synchronized (laughs) kicking yeah they just started dancing and messing around with one another which i enjoyed which yeah they have fun doing it which means that you're gonna have more fun watching it it's a group i recommend everyone go see at least once like if you're looking for something to do around the holidays they're not the most expensive tickets in the world and they go to charity a dollar of it goes to charity yeah it's a good holiday concert to go see at least once it's worth it it's worth it once again and if you really enjoy it maybe you make it a holiday tradition but i'd go see him again in like five years when they have a new opera this was a good concert everyone should go see it i'll maybe go back in five years no i liked it i if someone said hey i want to go i'd go again hey you want to go let's go to the okay but it's gonna be the west we're gonna go to the west all right and compare when the lights came up i did look down into the lower bowl and just try and see you know accounted for gray-haired people or just (laughs) trying to figure out what was up down there 
you know? And I think that was just a lot of it. Is that It felt like they were out of their element a little bit with this rock concert that sounded sometimes like Kiss or... You know, and maybe, that, maybe they're used to that in Nashville specifically, and that's why it's only a single show night they use it as their night off because they know they like they get enough out of it because Nashville's a big enough city that it's worth touring at but it's not worth a double show it could be something like that they're in Ohio five different days all two show days and then they're only in Tennessee one night and it's Nashville and it's a single show maybe Tennessee just isn't a big TSO fan anyway I I guess that counts as final spin right there. We don't really have a final spin to do. We kind of just did a good summary. If you're looking, audience, again, if you're you're looking for something to go listen to TSO related to go along with this, if you're one of our listeners that typically listens along, uh, the Christmas Eve and other stories, their first debut album, again, is the soundtrack that they're performing, basically. The first half of their show is that album. And then the second half is just a collection of other songs that you can just look up their most popular songs and listen to. Bingo. So, yeah, you could check that out. I don't feel prepared to give it any kind of a score. Yeah. But, uh, I was sitting here trying to think what we could... I guess we picked our favorite performer. That can be, like, our top three and favorite song. I don't know how you would do a so- uh, score. I don't either. Honestly, just as a concert, I think I would give the band, like, an 8 out of 10. The energy was great. The special effects were great. It was a good performance. The crowd, man, three, four. It was just a bad crowd. Between the people behind us, like, screaming for Robert, or just the general lack of energy all around. I don't know. It it was different. Or the security guy that tried to steal your keys as you went through the metal detector. Oh, yeah, that's right. I forgot about that. Yeah, we went through the metal detector. You put your keys in the bowl, you know, and I tried to grab my keys, and he wasn't paying any attention, and he started to, like, lower the bowl away from me, so I had to keep reaching for it. I forgot about that. My favorite song was, again, the also the security, uh, the metal detectors beeping as everybody left. Yeah. Carol, the metal detectors is what I think we made the joke. Yeah, because for some reason they didn't shut them off. <laughs> and so it's just beep, 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 beep as everyone was logging through. Yeah. Uh, it was a different kind of concert for me. Something, I don't know, pretty unique. I think I would give it, just overall, the concert going experience, I would put it somewhere in the six to seven range. Okay. Again, we're like the perfect opposites because I can count on two hands the number of concerts I've been to in my life. Oh, wow. Uh, I haven't really gone to many. I've been to a Michael Buble concert. I've been to a two TSO concerts now. Um, I know I've been to other things, but nothing's sticking out right now. My sister and mother were the big concert goers. And so for me, I think I think you're right in eight, maybe in nine. In terms of the performance, they, re- they put on a really good show. They're good at what they do. And then the audience definitely a three or four because i mean yeah this is probably the, even in the limited experience i've had it was a pretty dead audience it's like at one point for example the guy that was on the stage the one that had done all the the talking and stuff at one point he yelled something out without a microphone just like put your hands together or something like yeah. he just yelled it without a microphone and i heard it all the way up in our back upper bowl section. And I was like, I shouldn't be able to do that. Yeah, it should be loud. and Yeah, yeah, there should be just a general something. But you could hear a pin drop at times. It surprised me. But I think I'm going to give it a higher overall score because I'm not going to penalize it for I'm blaming you and Nashville in general. Uh, <laughs> yeah, for, sure. Uh, for for the atmosphere. I think you're just bitter about the hot chicken. Uh, this is a sneak peek. Sneak peek. We also did that. I'm still feeling the effects. I think, I, so like, you know, from like a... You're the, I 
know you're usually the weighted one, and we don't have the math department here. We did some members of the math department live on and around my roof. Oh, yeah. We did see some of them out and about. That's a weird sentence if you're new. The math department's a bunch of squirrels uh, in lab coats with little nerdy glasses and pocket protectors. Yeah. But I'm kind of doing a weighted thing. You know, I'm not just doing a 50-50 split. And so I'm weighting the atmosphere way less because that's that's your guys' fault. I'm not going to punish the band. And so I'm giving it, I think I'm just going to give it a seven or eight overall rather than a six or five. I think it'll be like a seven and a half. That's fair. The, the problem is the atmosphere is such a big part of a concert and why I would choose to go see something live over just a recording, you know? That's fair. Either way, it was good. It was. Very fun uh, episode concept. Very fun, very fun concert concept. I just, I just threw something at James. That's why he stuttered there. I didn't stutter. I, I edited around that. <laughs> Anyway, uh, this is fun. We've got a couple other recordings to do, not about live shows. And so we should keep spinning into the next episode. <laughs> I guess so. Well, what we'll leave you with this Spinter season is check us out on social media. <laughs> Follow us on Instagram at SpinItPodOfficial, on Twitter at SpinItPod. We've got, like we've slightly teased, some bonus content on the way, and it is hot, 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 hot. We've got real hot bonus content coming. Too hot. Too hot for Connor to handle, especially. Uh, what are you talking about? I, was, I, I did way better than you. Anyway, keep your eyes peeled. That'll be posted on all of our socials. Yeah, it'll be great. I'm excited for it. Um, but yeah, up next we have... If I told you that we were going to do an acapella group for the next episode, you would guess probably the, the band that we're about to do. You'd be correct. So yeah. that's your hint for next episode, but... Until then, you can find us on the web at www.spinitpod.com. That's us. Cool website. Go check it out. And uh, we'll see you soon. In the meantime, keep spinning. Keep spinning. Uh, we didn't do a bit at the end of the Apoptosis episode is what I noticed. It just faded out slowly and quietly. I didn't like it. That's why I'm putting this at the end oh, of this episode. Okay.